Hey guys, it's Lisa Lillian, also known as Hungry Girl here just to let you know, if you are listening to this and you don't currently subscribe to this podcast, you should. So wherever you're listening from, click subscribe. And also, if you don't get our daily emails, that's a big mistake. So go to hungry-girl.com to sign up for our free daily emails. And if you're bored every other Thursday night, I have a live show on Amazon. So you can go to hungry-girl.com slash Amazon live. Thanks. Hope you love the episode. Hey everyone, it's me, Lisa Lillian, also known as Hungry Girl. Very excited about this week's episode of the podcast because I have a good friend of mine that has been on the show before. We have a one-on-one -on -one interview. I love her. Her name is Dr. Amy Shaw, and she has a brand new book. It's called I'm So Effing Hungry, Why We Crave, What We Crave, and What to Do About It. Her last book is was called I'm So Effing Tired. I know you guys loved that book. She's incredible. Her mission is always to revolutionize the way we think about hunger and nutrition and help people manage hunger and cravings and break free from the tyranny of diets and battles with food. She does such a wonderful job with that. And because she has so much to say, we're just going to jump right in and welcome Dr. Amy Shaw. Dr. Amy, it's so good to have you here. Thank you so much for being a guest again. Thanks so much for having me again. I mean, you're amazing. The audience loves you. Um, whether or not we're just like having fun and goofing around or you're giving us serious information that can help everybody so much. All of your content is so perfect for the Hungry Girl audience. And I'm very excited about your new book, which could not be any more appropriate <laughs> named for our world. It is called I'm So Effing Hungry, Why We Crave What We Crave and What to Do About It. So I'm very eager to jump in. Um, before we do start talking about your book, give the audience a little bit of background about who you are and what you do. Yeah. So I am an Indian immigrant. I came to America when I was five years old. And then I saw my parents and my grandparents, my uncles, they all got diagnosed with type two diabetes, like two years into moving to America. And at that time, it's like this devastating diagnosis. They didn't know any cures. There was nothing um, you could do about it. So it really inspired me to like learn about nutrition and then go to medical school. And, you know, but I went out into practice and I realized we don't do much nutrition um, in our traditional practices. And so that's why I start to write and do social media. And, you know, at that time when I was going through all my training, hungry girl was like my favorite website to get ideas, like healthy ideas, because I was always like super interested in eating healthy and finding new ideas that were quick. And your first book, was titled, I'm so effing tired. And it was just all about how food and your lifestyle could affect your energy levels. It was really fascinating. Um, and this book really dives into hunger and cravings and all of that stuff. What made you decide to do that? Is that like the number one thing you hear about people, like their frustration with always being hungry? Yeah. So when I started to read the research about gut health and that we have these creatures inside of us that actually decide when we're hungry, when we're full, when we're happy and sad. It made me realize like, wow, we need to know more. Why do we not talk about this? Um, why don't we, most people don't know that there are 
little bacteria in our bodies that are running the show uh, when it comes to so much of the stuff. So they can even like just take the gut bacteria from one person to another, and they can change the entire mood and mental state of that person. And so I just thought that that research is so strong now and we need to like take action. We know that food can change your gut microbiome. We know that exercise can do it. Why do we not talk about the foods and the exercises that can do that for us? And food is a the biggest one. Food creates mood. So let's talk a little bit about that um, that biome, the microbiome that you describe for people who just have no idea what that is. Could you just break it down like at like a third grade level for yeah. us? Okay. So when you're in your mother's womb, you have zero bacteria inside of your gut. Okay. You're like sterile. And then as you travel through your mother's birth canal, you pick up the bacteria from her birth, like her body. And when you're born, you start to pick up uh, bacteria from the environment. And so what we thought, these were annoying bugs, um, and we were trying to kill them all the time with antibiotics. Um, and what we didn't realize is that they are like a critical part of our mood and our well-being. And so they actually saw people who get lots of antibiotics or have poor gut bacteria, have more depression, have more anxiety, have more cravings, have uh, altered food signals, more obese, have more inflammation, all of these things. And we're like, Oh, wait, all these things that we used to kill, like, you know, not even thinking about it, are ones that are the mediators of our health and mental health. So that's why I think it's so important because these things that live in our body are actually running the show in many, many ways. It's really hard to like think about it that way. But like, Lisa, the signals that they make are stronger than our own signals. So they can override it. So if they want to make us happy, they make dopamine. And that dopamine is like 10 to 100 times stronger than our own. So they're really running the show here. So are they all created equally? And then they just do what they want to do based on the foods that we put into our body? Is that the way it works? So yeah, they're basically, they're created from your mother, parents, your environment when you're like from zero to five is when you're really like forming your own microbiome. That's why kids these days have so many new issues that people didn't have. Um, and then you start up around age five, you kind of stay stable, but what changes is with the food. So when you eat food or you really rapidly change your lifestyle, those things can change your microbiome. So you can even if you're over the age of five, you still have a really good chance of changing your entire gut. Um, actually, there was a study in 2014 that really shocked everyone because they saw that just three days of eating a completely different diet changed your entire gut microbiome. So do you recommend probiotics or prebiotics to do this as well as food changes? Or what is the best and fastest way to change that? Okay, so if you think about it, we haven't found yet the right probiotics to make the changes that we want. Because what happens is the body detects when you um, eat a pill um, as foreign, like the probiotics is foreign, it starts to kill it. Like it, it's like, oh, bacteria, let's kill that, right? You don't want to be swallowing bacteria. But when it comes like in the matrix of food, it's allowed in. And it's like, we don't even know exactly how that works. And of course, there's tons of, probiotic manufacturers that are trying to figure it out. But so I still say food first. You can always supplement, you know, whatever with probiotics, but food first, because that makes it down into the lower colon. 
It's so interesting. Do you think that certain foods bring out certain moods? Like you can eat foods to make you happy. Like really, I know everyone always says chocolate makes you happy. I kind of think part of that is just people wanting to eat chocolate. Maybe not. I don't. Yeah. So like, what are some foods that you think uh, really affect you for better or for worse? Yeah, actually, I didn't know this either because in nutrition school, we never talked about it, but there's like you can raise your baseline levels of dopamine and serotonin by the foods that you eat. And actually what I did in the book is I kind of just like did a box of like, here's some dopamine foods, here's some serotonin foods. And the reason why it's good to know that is that um, it's not like uh, we used to think, oh, our circumstances are why we're sad or tired, right? Like, uh, you know, you were having a bad day because of the X, Y, and Z. But we now know that you're, perception of what's going on around you is really your own perception. So if you're eating foods that are raising your levels of dopamine, your perception of what happens in your day is going to be completely different. Um, And so that's why I think it's so important. Like dopamine producing foods are some of the best um, foods like probiotic yogurt and cottage cheese, high protein foods, um, actually like really healthy, high protein foods help you raise your levels of dopamine nuts and berries and like cherries are a good um, one that actually raises dopamine and you're right uh, chocolate dark chocolate does and so does coffee so you know people talk about coffee boosting the mood and it's actually true at least um, to some extent it can help you release dopamine so it sounds like you're saying because we hear so much about people who emotional eat or they eat because they're anxious. But it sounds like you're saying that it actually is working the other way around, that you're feeling anxious or emotional because of things that you're eating. eating. Yeah, wow. That's like, well, it's it's actually proven. So they looked at a, um, they looked at people who are eating ultra processed foods. So these are foods that they consider um, heavily processed, right? And they saw that the people that were eating the most ultra processed food had 80% more anxiety and depression symptoms than people who are eating the least ultra processed foods. And so that to me is just like exactly what you're saying. Like, this is why we're sad and anxious is because we live in a world where so much of our food is ultra processed. Hmm. So what's the difference between hunger cravings and appetite, because I think that's one of the key issues that really messes with people. 100%. So hunger is a physiological need for food. So that's, you know, you'll die without, if you don't eat for a couple of weeks or months. Um, So we have a hunger hormone called ghrelin. Yeah, for hours. We feel like you're going to die. Ghrelin is our hunger hormone and it kind of, you know, is cyclical throughout the day. So you might say, oh, I'm feeling hungry right now. Um, That's your ghrelin. Okay. So that's hunger. Cravings, completely different part of the brain. Separate. Okay. That is when you want food for pleasure. So it may have nothing to do with hunger. And it also is the same pathway that Instagram activates, that gambling activates, that drinking activates. It's a, it's a dopamine pathway. So it's a it's a different pathway than the hunger. But they do get they do get intertwined. So like if you've ever dieted, and I know Lisa, you have and I have too, the hungers tap on the craving centers and they're like, hey, I need your help because this girl's not eating enough and we need to like ramp this up so that they they're ignoring their hunger cues. And so you'll get them to team up with each other too. 
And then appetite is like the overall interest in food. So, you know, Lisa, you love your doggies. When they get sick, they just don't have interest in food. Their appetite is low. They'll override their hunger and cravings at that point. Interesting. Um, so what are what you call hunger hijackers? Yeah, that's that's our number one is our food system, right? We've last 75 years, we've lived in this world of um food that hijacks our brain signals. Like they want somebody just told me if you lick the top of an Oreo, it tastes salty. And I didn't even think about that, but they were like, it's created in a salty, sweet, crunch, soft, like it's a food that is trying to override your own signals of feeling full because it's saying, well, it's not sweet enough to satisfy your sweet craving. It's not salty enough to satisfy your salt. And you get this big release of dopamine when you get just that right amount and they engineer it to be like that, right? So, so you're saying the, the food companies know this and consciously create foods that want to make you eat more of that food or other foods? Yes, and they do it knowing how to do without triggering the uh, hormone that makes you feel full. Okay. Like, it's question. so crazy. Yeah. Wait, what if I, you just want one Oreo? Yeah. Can you eat right after you eat that food? That'll stop you from like having that continued craving and being triggered to eat more. Is there, are yeah. there magic foods that could stop you? Yeah, there's actually, so in the book, I talk about these hunger hacks. So there's a few things. Okay. Now, um, so I'll give you one example, peppermint, sniffing peppermint every two hours activated a part of the brain that made you feel fuller. So intuitively, we know this, like sometimes you, um, you know, you just feel full after you brush your teeth or you um, eat something with peppermint in it. It's a great hack. It actually works um, through your brain centers of satiation. So another one is um, keeping that sweet food or the very heavily processed food till the end. Um, so eating your fiber, your protein, let your body feel the fullness and tell you that you're full before you dive into the bread or the dessert or the processed snack. So you're That's saying you're, when you're out for dinner, like leave the bread basket for after your meal. Yeah, actually, they what did a study. That one? <laughs> I know they did a study on type two diabetics and they were like, let's give them the bread at the end. And they found that not only did they help, did it help their blood sugar, right? Because you already ate the fiber and the protein, the soup and whatever. It mm -hmm. also helped them feel fuller longer. So mm -hmm. you can have the bread, but just switch it, like keep it till the end. Right. Because you won't want it as much, especially if you drink a big glass of water when you start your meal. That's 100%. Oh, so that's another hack. So high water foods. So those foods that are like water, um, you know, cantaloupe, this foods that like are full of water, celery, these things um, activate our stretch receptors in our, in our intestines and um, release like GLP-1. So, you know, that big injectable um, medication that everybody's taking, Ozempic, yep. uh, that's a GLP-1 agonist. That means it's helping you release GLP-1 uh, without having the stretch of your stomach. Um, so if you want to stretch your stomach um, receptors, you want to eat things that are high volume, like drink water, eat high volume foods. These things will help you feel fuller and release that GLP-1. Well, I want to get more into that, but you brought up Ozempic. So now I need to know what you think of that and what you think of people using it, not just for like diabetes and things that it was really intended for. What, what are your thoughts? 
I think it's a fad. I think it's just like, you know, HCG, they're going to find something that is terribly wrong with um, using it long term because we don't know right now because we haven't used it long enough. But I, I think it's going to be like one of those things, like an HCG diet where people are all into it. It works for the short term, but you stop using it. And then you're right back even worse than where you started, because now you need to learn how to like get that GLP one out without using it. And it's a lot harder um, when you're off the medication. So I don't think it's something that's going to be long lasting, at least in the like casual weight loss world. I think it's going to then become one of those medications that are good for diabetics, but you know, I don't think it's going to be something that you can't use it forever. Um, there's going to be something that's going to come up. And why not just teach people that they could sort of replicate that same effect by eating the right foods? Yeah. Is that what I mean, yeah. um, I have, I know someone who's taking it and the problem is, is that she's really afraid that if she stops, that everything will come right back. And I told her that's exactly what's going to happen. Um, mm -hmm. you know, unless you take it forever. So what are some more hunger hacks? I love these. Yeah. Hunger hacks. Walnuts, 48 grams of walnuts. So this is a fascinating study, Lisa, you'll like this. So they had people in a research center and they had them drink shakes with walnuts because they wanted to hide it in the shake. But then the people that weren't get the, getting the walnuts, they needed to, they like replicated a texture to taste like walnuts in the shake. Because, you know, when you blend it into a shake, you still can taste the graininess. So they added it in the placebo shake as well they didn't want it to be confusing uh, or to be uh, obvious. And so then um, after five days, they saw that the people who drank the walnut shake had different response when they looked at pictures of highly palatable foods like nachos, like burgers, like fries. They had a different brain response than the people who um, drank the placebo shake. So, and that's the best study you can do, right? Like when you take someone, you give them the same exact food, one is placebo, one is not. And, um, then you test their perception of food. And so, so you're um, saying the people that ate the walnuts were not as sort of into all those like high calorie decadent. They weren't lighting up their brain as much as, um, the people who didn't have the walnut shake. So and walnuts, not, not all nuts, not cashews, not almonds, not pistachios. Well, they picked walnuts for this particular study, and I'm not really sure exactly why, but what I would surmise is that walnuts also have omega-3 fatty acids, um, more so than a lot of the other nuts. And, um, so they tend to make you feel, um, you know, that omega-3 fatty acid has a, a, a way of releasing, um, CCK, which is another like feeling full hormone, satiation hormone. Um, and so that could be why it's walnuts, but in general, nuts in general do that. Um, I think walnuts in particular. And 48 grams. Yes. How many walnuts is that roughly? Is that? Um, I would say like, I think it's a serving and a half. Like when I looked at it yesterday, I put it in a cup and it was, um, it was a little more than one serving as per the back of the, um, I think 30 grams was one serving. So this is 48. Mm-hmm. Okay. Any other hacks? I could just sit here uh, all day. I know. I love, I love that every couple of pages, there's a hack because, you know, I know how people are these days. Like we know we need to change our diet. Like we know we're going to do it. We're going to do whatever, but there's like all these little things. So one of the other things is getting sunlight. Sunlight is one of the best hunger hacks out there because not only does it make you feel happier, like that's one thing, 
but it also activates a hormone in your brain called alpha MSH. And alpha MSH is responsible for making you feel fuller throughout the day. It's so funny because when I, I remember always like going on vacation when I was younger and going and sitting by a pool or at the beach and I always wanted to eat healthier. Yeah. And I didn't know it was because I was in a bathing suit. Yeah. I just actually felt like I craved like high like calorie, high fat foods a lot less and wanted to eat more fruits and vegetables. Yeah. Like you never, I always thought intuitively also, like not only did it, I thought it had something to do with my mood, like, you know, just like, it's like a pick me up, but there's actual real science behind um, getting um, proper exposure to sunlight. So even just two minutes without sunglasses, walk outside. I, I've been trying this thing, which was working great until this book launch started, um, which is, uh, which was sky before screens where I forced myself to get up and look at the sky before I looked at my screen on my phone. Um, but like I said, I struggle just like everybody. This week has just been throwing me for a loop and I'm back in my habit of like checking my phone for all the messages that I missed overnight. So that's a um, getting just sunlight is a amazing um, one. So then um, there's, so we talked about the order of food. That was one um, that you can do also the walnuts, the peppermint, um, dopamine supporting food. So, um, oh, and then there's serotonin supporting food. So serotonin is more like your chill. Um, I would consider it like the evening happiness hormone, whereas dopamine is like your morning go-getter, like do the tasks, happiness hormone. Serotonin is the chill. It's really great for evening. So high protein foods have um, an uh, amino acid that called tryptophan, which, you know, people know with turkey, like, oh, after you eat turkey, you like get all sleepy and stuff. Um, but tryptophan is um, contained in a lot of high protein foods. But when you mix the tryptophan with carbohydrates, like healthy carbohydrates, could be just vegetables, but just any kind of carbohydrate, it actually goes into your brain and releases more serotonin. So that's why people actually feel blissed out after they eat carbohydrates, because it has an effect on our brain to raise that serotonin. That's also why, you know, right before your period for women, um, they often feel like they want to eat carbs because your progesterone levels are connected to your serotonin. So you're like feeling sad and you want to bump up those serotonin levels. Your body remembers that when you eat carbs, it bumps up serotonin. Um, and so then you crave that. And do you recommend eating those foods that contain or that release those hormones as opposed to just taking supplements? Yeah. I always say food first. Remember, I, I heard this analogy and this is the best analogy. They're like, the person working at the health food store still has problems. You know, the one that's like has access to every vitamin in the world. And like there, if there was a vitamin um, for, you know, every single thing, shouldn't we have no problems at all? But it's because a lot of these vitamins have false promises. And what, for example, a dopamine supporting food can do for you um, can't really be replicated as well in a supplement form, which is why they, they're just not as good. And sometimes they don't work at all. And so I always say food first, and then definitely you can, there are supplements that are good that I take that help you release um, these good feelings. For example, omega-3 fatty acids are a bit best example. So when you take omega-3s uh, by supplement form, you are not only feeding your good gut bacteria so that you're creating this like, you know, gut brain um, change, but you're also going to release CCK, which is your fullness hormone. So having omega-3s is like a hack to feeling more full. 
Oh, good. I take those every day. What is the secret to making great toast? Oh, you're just going to go in with the hard-hitting questions. I'm Dan Pashman from The Sporkful. We like to say it's not for foodies, it's for eaters. We use food to learn about culture, history, and science. There was the time we looked into allegations of discrimination at Bon Appetit, or when I spent three years inventing a new pasta shape. It's a complex noodle that you put together. Every episode of The Sporkful, you're going to learn something, feel something, and laugh. The Sporkful from Stitcher. Get it wherever you get your podcasts. You do talk a little bit about unlearned eating. And yeah. these days, everybody is talking about intuitive eating. Yeah. How are those things different? And talk a little bit about unlearned eating. Unlearned eating is like, Lisa, when you were a kid and you would go to a game or something like I was, I would go to a baseball game and we would get these snacks, the processed foods and soda and a Kit Kat and candy, whatever. And then your body learned, right? That was pleasurable. That was fun with your family. And now every time you do something fun or you go to a game, you remember that experience. You might even remember the smells or the tastes of the foods that were there. That's like the learned eating, right? So you might reward yourself when you have a great day with the foods that your mom, you know, used to give to you. So that's learned eating, right? So some of those are good things. But often they're bad, right? Like we equate somehow with trauma or with like a um, stress that this was a food we used to eat. And now your body knows that's what it craves. Um, I'll give you an example. I used to love Kit Kats um, because they reminded me of going to a game with my dad or doing stuff with my dad. He loved Kit Kats. So he would always buy that for me. So we'd share it. And I had like a special place in my heart for Kit Kats. So every time something really great would happen or I wanted to have that feeling again, I would reach for the Kit Kat. But now that I know about how this all works, I'm like, okay, well, I want to like retrain it. Like I don't want to reach for a Kit Kat every time, but maybe I can retrain it. So I reach for something healthier. So I talk about in the book, like retraining your um, pathways uh, to actually crave healthier foods. So then I retrained myself to like dark chocolate and give myself dark chocolate as a reward when I feel like having some of that um, same feeling that I used to get with Kit Kat. So that's what unlearned eating is like, instead of you know, just relying on your past and your old pathways, which could be bad, um, actually create new pathways, like retrain your brain. How exactly do you, let's say you don't love the taste or like you're trying to retain, like retrain your brain to uh, reward yourself with like uh, carrots instead yeah. of. No, you cheesecake. can't do carrots. You can't do <laughs> carrots instead of cheesecake. It still has to be something that's going to release dopamine in your brain. So, you know, okay. You know, the things you'll like this, Lisa, this is a trick. You know, the things that release dopamine in your brain. Um, and the way you know, this is that it's intense. It's dopamine craving is the one that will make you get out of your chair, get in your car, drive across town and have that food. And when you have that food, it's like pleasure mixed with discomfort, like pleasure mixed with pain. Like you're eating it, but you're like, oh my God, am I eating too much? Am I going get to it, get it again? Like it's this weird feeling of like, you're not just happy. You're happy and anxious or like uncomfortable. That's, that's me with pretzels. Yes. Okay. Help me. 
All right. So if you're like that with pretzels, you know that that's triggering a part of your brain um, with dopamine. Okay. So maybe you pick the healthiest version of pretzel that you can think of instead of the trash pretzels that, you know, you used to use when you were, um, had that, maybe you pick up carrots. No, like a whole grain. I'm talking about the same or a sub, like you make these two ingredient bagel bites, right? Like what, what if you made those two ingredient pretzel bites? And, um, so what you do is you retrain your brain. The way you do that is that our brain loves surprises. So when you're gambling, like the best idea of a dopamine addiction is when you're gambling, you're playing, 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 losing, 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 all of a sudden surprise you win, right? That creates a huge explosion in your brain of dopamine and it gets rewired and you want to keep doing that thing again. So that's a great way to wire your brain. The gamble, you know, Vegas knows all of this. So if you take, um, say your calendar, you program in three different days, random days that you're going to have pretzels or you put a, in a jar, seven pieces of paper and like three of them are reward and uh, of pretzels and four of them are just like, good job, Lisa, you know, like or whatever it is. So it should be a surprise. Um, it should be random and it has to be random and intermittent, meaning like it can't be like every other day or something. So both random surprise, get the surprise. Yes, pretzel day. Woohoo! You know, like, so you are going to, that's, uh, so I call it the three, two, one method. Three days a week, you spend two minutes doing self-talk. And you know what I'm talking about with the soft talk. That's called CBD, CBT in a fancy term, but it's literally just self-talk. Like, I'm so happy I'm using this two ingredients pretzel bite. And like, it's so delicious. And like, this is such a great idea. I'm rewarding myself. Like really be the moment. You know what I mean? And then the loud or just in your head. Uh, either one or write it down <laughs> or a friend. Um, and then the one, the, so out of the three, two, one method, the one is like sit down and enjoy it. So that neural pathway can form properly because if you're like driving and trying to do all this and talking on the phone and, you know, we all do this, we all know that your brain needs to concentrate on the, te- it's like exercise when you exercise and you concentrate on the muscle actually like contracting it's a whole different experience and your body really learns it better so you want to spend one minute just savoring that new healthy pretzel and guess what rinse and repeat and lisa has reprogrammed her brain not to um crave those unhealthy trash pretzels and now she has her two ingredient pretzel bites that are like super good for you I'm going to try that. Yes. How do I stop myself from eating too many of those two ingredient pretzel bites that are better for you? But if you have that sort of desire to keep going when it comes to carbs, is there a secret little hack to stop? Well, um, you know, your pretzel bites and um, are full of protein, right? So there's a, there's a very, very um, popular theory out there that the reason why our hunger hormones um, don't get activated. Our uh, our satisfaction hormones don't get activated with snack foods is because they have such little protein in it. Um, So it's called the protein threshold hypothesis, meaning that you keep eating snacks because your brain is not registering any protein. Um, And so when you're eating something that is high in protein, your brain will automatically know that it's time to release the satiation hormones. And so you will not be able well, not, not be able, you will be 
you will be told by your body, like, hey, that's enough, you're full. And if you want to even accentuate that, then eat protein with it so that you can get those signals faster. Right. Just eat some Greek yogurt or whatever it is. Yeah. Help. That's that's great. So wait, I, you talk about super six foods. Like, yeah. what are the super six foods? That okay. So the super six foods are. This is my. This is my whole message for the book. Okay, you're effing hungry because your gut bacteria are effing hungry, and you're sad because your gut bacteria are sad. And so, if you're trying to like turn this around, you have to feed those guys. Or, and gals, I guess, um, you know, so that's the super six are foods that the gut bacteria loves. So I can say them out loud. Some of them have fancy names, but they're really plain foods. So number one is polyphenols. So that's your dark chocolate, the green tea, the blueberries, the brightly colored vegetables. Number two is glucosinolates. So that's a fancy word, but it's really your broccoli, Brussels sprouts, your kale, all of those like, um, cruciferous vegetables, like the good ones. Okay. Number three is fiber. Everybody knows fiber, um, uh, eating high fiber foods, right? Um, and number four is omega-3 fatty acid foods. As we kind of alluded to, you can use a supplement to support yourself or you can eat omega-3 full foods. And then um, number five is dopamine supporting foods. So the foods that we talked about that release dopamine um, are really good for your gut and changing those craving pathways. And then number six is high amino acid foods. So what does that mean? High protein foods. So high protein, as you know, protein has this special effect and it, it, you know, of course, protein is overrated in some ways, but it really does have a great way of releasing those satiation hormones. So it keeps us fuller longer. And I think, you know, and I know that to be true. For sure. I want to circle back on the fiber thing because these days there are so many uh, foods that have added fiber, these ingredients that like boost up fiber and everything from ice cream to other things shouldn't really have fiber, but is all fiber created equal? And if not, why not? And what types of fiber work best for this? Yeah. So probiotic fiber is probably the best fiber, probiotic and prebiotic fiber is the best ones for the gut bacteria. So probiotic fiber is a fiber that comes from fermented foods like kimchi, sauerkraut, you know, that kind of, um, that's the best fiber you can have because it's highly digestible and it has live bacteria in it. And then prebiotic fiber is a food for the gut bacteria, the best food. So prebiotic fiber is not like all fiber. It's like the fiber that's contained in onions and garlic and jicama. And there's like the stalks of broccoli. So these are um, special foods that uh, break down into the food that the gut bacteria chew on um, and um, really love. And so I would say that prebiotic and probiotic fibers are the best types of fiber. Now, Could you add fiber to your foods? Yeah, psyllium husk is an amazing add to, you know, some of your recipes or whatever, because it is a kind of a prebiotic fiber itself, right? So you can do some of that. You can add powder. Yeah, psyllium husk. Yeah. What is the texture like? I mean, I'm asking this because I wonder why people fall back on, I guess, like chicory root and all these other things in foods. Why don't they just use psyllium husk and make it more, uh, I don't know, more real? 
Yeah, I think uh, so. I think that psyllium husk has um, an expanding effect. And so I think in foods, it can be not as useful. Like I don't think chicory root expands as much as psyllium. So psyllium, when you mix it in water, you have to drink it right away because if you wait, it's it like expands and it becomes this like blob. Um, and that's what happens in your stomach, which is why it kind of works, right? Like it expands and then it has those stretch receptors and then it gets into the gut bacteria. So psyllium husk is awesome, but it's not so useful in foods because of its texture, you know, like you have to yeah. kind of so drink it right away. If you drink it before a meal, would that like yeah. help you do this? A lot of people use that as a technique. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, so how important is sleep? You hear yeah. all the time people say when they don't sleep enough, they're hungrier. Is that really true? And how important is sleep? And what is your quick sleep technique? Yeah, okay. It's, a, um, first of all, sleep absolutely wrecks your hunger hormones. Like, you know that, so do I, sometimes I thought, well, is it because I'm stressed? But no, sleep actually, when you look at people who have gotten um, too little sleep, their ghrelin levels are higher. So their hunger is higher and their levels of cravings is also higher. So, you, you know, we said hunger and cravings are two separate things, but both of them go up um, when you don't sleep enough. So this is an area that we can do so much, um, you know, sleep does so many things, but hunger and cravings is one big thing that it does. Um, so I talk about in the book, a sleep technique that a doctor created for the US military. And because what he found is like, uh, what they found in the US military is that the soldiers, when they didn't get enough sleep, they just were, um, they weren't able to function as well. And they would go long periods of time without sleep. You know, if they're out in the field or they're kind of like in a, in one of those like holes and waiting. So he created a plan. He he was tasked to create a way for them to sleep, like even standing up. Um, and so he created this kind of technique and I talk about it, it's like a few different steps. And it's really hard because you have to kind of go through all the five like steps, but mostly it's about relaxing your mind, taking it away from your to-do list and just in the present, like, breathe in, breathe out, relax each part of your body one by one. So, and it's um, taking the thoughts away. And the, the premise of this is that the part of your brain that keeps you awake is the one that's, um, you know, your stress, your worry, your danger part of your brain. And a lot of these soldiers would have that activated all the time. We have that activated all the time, right? So taking your attention away from those danger centers and bringing it um, uh, towards the present moment is the premise of it. So it's something that is really cool. I've had lots of luck. My kids make so much fun of me because they'll, they're like, all right, I know like, they're like, okay, enough with your sleep technique. Cause I'll say to them like, Oh, remember to do like relax your whole face and then, you know, do the breathing. And, um, so I think that if you really sit down and master this technique, um, you also can sleep within two minutes, which is what he proved that 97% of soldiers were able to fall asleep with this method. I, I just wish there was an, I mean, I can fall asleep anywhere. I yeah. am one of those people that can fall asleep. Oh, so lucky. 
But I, I am lucky, but I don't, you know, I, I hope there are some tips on it, how to actually make that method work. Because yeah. I feel like sometimes when you're overthinking it, now you're thinking about relaxing. It yes. Relax. 100%. And also we're, we live in this world where um, we want easy solutions. And so what happens is with sleep, so many people end up just relying on sleep aids because you don't have to do any work. It's just like someone put the veil in front of your face. But I know for a fact, I've taken sleeping um, like a NyQuil one time when I was sick, you know, it was like a Theraflu or something. And I woke up the next day and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe people live like this. It's like, you're in a fog. It's like you're hungover. Um, And it's really, I I mean, I would rather personally do the work and learn how to put myself to sleep than have to rely on something like that every day. Yeah, I mean, NyQuil might be, extreme but some people try melatonin which yeah maybe is, um Mel- melatonin is great i think it can be really useful but they people really overuse and over prescribe like the doses of melatonin that are good for your brain are like one to three milligrams whereas people are taking like five 10 15 milligrams of melatonin that's like way too much it's a hormone so it's going to turn off your own hormones if you take too much so you talk a lot about foods that have certain properties, but let's like get down to brass tacks in your fridge or your pantry. Mm-hmm. What are like five things that are always there that you eat pretty much every day? Okay. So I, every single day, I will eat some form of fermented dairy. So fermented dairy is like probiotic cottage cheese or probiotic yogurt. The reason why is that I find that um, I used to do no dairy at all. And what I found is that when I started adding fermented dairy, I was able to feel like my gut health improved and I was able to actually notice like the mood boosting effects of the high protein and the fermented food. So um, I added back just fermented dairy, but you can always, for people who can't tolerate dairy, you can get now, I saw probiotic cashew yogurt, probiotic, um, you know, all kinds of um, non-dairy alternatives for yogurts and cottage cheeses. So um, that's a given every single day. Um, And then my new goal recently has been to get 30 different plant foods a week because that's the best way to get the highest level of gut health. 30 different plant foods include spices and nuts and seeds. And so I love to use, you know, like that everything but the bagel seasoning from Trader Joe's and then all the different spices that I love to make my scrambles because I realized like, oh, that's not so hard to do 30 different ones if you're counting spices in nuts and seeds, right? So you can actually, so I've been doing- Everything bagel has like seven. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, seven. But if you think about it, you're doing seven or eight of that. And then you add like three or four spices. You got 10 right there. And you just Mm -hmm. need 30 in the full week. Um, And so it's super- so that's been my big thing is spices, um, seasonings, trying to get all the different ones from Trader Joe's. Like I like, um, there's a other one I like, uh, oh, I get the, um, not, it's not from Trader Joe's, but I get the Italian seasoning as well, because it goes really well with the everything, but the bagel and that itself also has like seven, mm-hmm. like Ita- Italian herbs and spice. And then you can mix the two. So that's been, um, uh, it's, that's been my go-to. I love chai. That's my favorite drink because I feel 
that um, with coffee, I like coffee too, but coffee doesn't have the spices in it. Like it doesn't have the nutmeg and the cinnamon um, and the ginger and all of these things that I know are really, really good for my gut health. So I have chai every day. I also have coffee, but chai for sure. Dark chocolate is my everyday go-to. Um, that's why I needed to pick something different for my uh, three, two, one technique because um, three, two, one technique works only well um, when you're doing it intermittently. So I used to do that with dark chocolate, but now I have dark chocolate pretty much every day. So I have, I'm choosing a different thing for um, retraining my brain um, now. And so that's um, that I love. I love all um, teas actually, because I found that my biggest problem as a South Asian immigrant. So in India, the part of India that we're from, there's like seven or eight different times that you eat. It's like you eat breakfast, but then at 10 a.m. there's like a tea snack and then the, there's like lunch, but then there's like another snack with tea in the afternoon. And then, and so it was really hard for me to break that habit um, of snacking all day long because for me, I was in the office. I would just keep a snack open on my desk and I would just like munch on it all day. And I realized like, okay, I got to I really... I'm doing myself a disservice um, and it also makes you like completely addicted to food all the time. So I use that three, two, one technique, but I um, did it with a hot drink. So instead of having a snack, I have like a latte or something to retrain my brain to kind of love that just as much as um, eating a snack food. And what's your go-to dark chocolate? I just, um, I really want to know, like, do you have one brand or one product? Yeah, I've been like, literally ODing on uh, Lakanto dark chocolate chip. So Lakanto is like monk fruit dark chocolate mm-hmm. and it has the best flavor and the best texture, the closest thing to like um, a high quality sh- um, dark chocolate that has tons of sugar. Yeah, I love their products. Yeah, so, I really yeah, do. They're they're really good. Um, all right. So now I know people are going to go out, they're going to buy the book. It's a little bit overwhelming to try to overhaul your life. Mm-hmm. But if there is like one first small change that people can make, even today, let's say yeah. they get the book to stop being so effing hungry. Yeah. I'll give you two tips. One is a food tip and one a non-food tip. Number one is go out for a sunny walk. Now I know sunny California, the one day that it's not sunny, I'm telling you this, but it does doesn't have to be sunny. It can be cloudy, overcast, it can be raining. It doesn't matter. Real light into your brain activates that hormone right away. Um, so sunny walk, even two minutes plus. Okay. And then um, the second one is eat one fermented food a day. Like, I feel like it's really overwhelming for me to say, oh, 30 plant foods a week, you know, have six superfoods. But if you could just do one fermented food a day, like one yogurt, one apple cider, raw apple cider vinegar in your salad, like two tablespoons or whatever, one serving. That's all it takes to start making a change. So that's, I think, something easy, like the apple cider vinegar thing is like something people love to do. And is all yogurt fermented or do you have to get like a probiotic? Yogurt? So in America, they are, um, we are forced to write on the back if there's bacteria in the product which is a plus for us because yes, there's yogurts that are so processed that everything's been heat killed and pasteurized, right? So you got to read the back of the label and make sure that they have bacteria listed on there because the typical, 
the typical sweetened yogurts with like, you know, kids Oreos on top or whatever, they're they're they don't have lab bacteria. Interesting. So you have to look for the messaging. You have to read the fine print. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And sometimes they'll say, like, I, I've seen now, I went to Whole Foods yesterday. I was like shocked at how many things said, like, has live bacterial cultures, or like people are starting to realize, like, oh, people are searching for these things. Um and so you can read the label, but often you have to check the back. Great. Okay. I'm going to let you go, but you've been amazing. Just let me know. Is there anything else? Where can people find you? Anything yeah. else you want to say about your book? Anything else you want to add? So, you're so amazing. I love talking to you. I, like, I, I don't know. People probably heard our first, first podcast, but um, you are like my inspiration behind so much of what I do. So I really appreciate you. Um, so I'm so effing hungry is available everywhere. Books are sold. I, um, have some special bonuses on my website. So it's amymdwellness.com forward slash book. Um, and there's like an extra chapter that's not even included in the book. So in the back of the book, you'll like this, Lisa, in the back of the book, um, we did really easy, um, recipes for people and um you know things some of these things you do all the time you talk about all the time uh but some of these things may be uh new to you too like for example there's something super super easy like dark chocolate peppermint coins with cacao nibs like you know that we know that the peppermint helps you with your cravings and we know dark chocolate's really like a dopamine boosting food you can have a dessert but it can be like functional um it can be like retraining your craving pathway Awesome. Okay. I'm going to give away a couple copies of your book. Yeah. I'm just going to order them on Amazon. You don't have to send them to me or anything. You are like the best. That's okay. And we'll tell people how to win them um, after we're done talking, but that'll be a fun thing. I know everyone is going to enjoy that. And then where can people find you? How can they follow you? And what is the best place to get all of your latest information? Yeah. Instagram. Fasting MD is my Instagram. By the way, I tried to change it back to my name, but they won't let me anymore. So I'm still at Fasting MD. Um, and I'm at Dr. Amy Shah MD on Twitter and Facebook. And then amymdwellness.com is my website. Well, awesome. Thank you so much. You're the greatest. Keep up the amazing work. Always love chatting with you. Uh, thanks, Lisa. I love, likewise, love seeing you, love chatting with you. Wow. Amy is really amazing. And I know everyone out there is going to benefit from the information in this book, but I want to like stay true to my promise. So if you want to win one of the two copies of the book that we're giving away, you could just text Mikey at 805-380-8075. And I'm going to make it really easy. Just tell Mikey why you want the book and why you think you should win. And maybe he will choose you randomly to win a copy of the book. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Remember, subscribe if you like this podcast. If you have not reviewed this podcast, please do so. Sign up for the Hungry Girl free daily emails if you have not already done that. And remember, we will be back in two weeks with another episode of Chew the Right Thing. I'm Lisa Lillian, also known as Hungry Girl. Till next time, Chew the Right Thing.